Hello and welcome to Cut of the Ball in the Post Truth Apocalypse. I'm Ben. As always, I am hanging out with Mike. Hello. And Claire. Hey. We're going to talk about today. Um, is modern music awful? Short answer: Yes. End of podcast. Thanks for listening. You've been great. Who is? Or are we just old footy that is? That's it. We're, is, not, we're not down with the kids anymore. Down with the youth. It does sound a bit similar. Some of it. As well, there's a reason for that, which we'll get into. And this is this is it's kind of a conspiracy. Music should be the fruit of the soul. Music is my life. Well, it certainly was a huge part of my life, or for various huge chunks of it. So important in human culture. Mm-hmm. But we'll get into all of that. All right, let's um, thanks for new returning listeners, and then we'll jump into the main cut and thrust of it. So, uh, where shall I start with Frankfurt and Maine, uh, Lima in Peru? I always say Peru. Maribor in Slovenia, Zagreb, Croatia, Sydney, Australia, San Jose, California, Dundee, United Kingdom, Croydon in the UK, Embrun in Canada, Muncie, Indiana. Yep. Fantastic, I actually got one right. Tobridge in the UK, Dobrani in the Czech Republic, Istanbul, not Constantinople, Turkey. Talking about Scar earlier. Mm-hmm. Dublin, Ireland, Telford, our hometown, and then Bengaluru, India, Cardiff by the Sea in California. Never heard of that before. Ilford, UK, Albuquerque, New Mexico, Ashburn, Virginia, Porterville, Missouri, and Guadalajara, Spain. Thank you all very much for listening. Thank you. Yep. Always baffles me that us three just get people all around the world listening to us and in some cases hanging our every word. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I want to do like a World of the Worlds podcast live and see if anyone just goes like to fight the Martians. Alright, let's get on with is modern music awful? And the answer is yes. <laughs> Basically. Some of it's catchy, I like a bit of it. Uh, yeah, all right. It's not all bad. Uh, it depends. I think we're going to centre this mainly around pop music, aren't we? Mm-hmm. And you know, because all pop music is pretty much the same. And we'll get into why. Yes. Before we just really get into it, I will apologise. I've got to do it earlier. If you do hear any bangs or no, it sounds like we've got incoming mortar fire or artillery fire in the background. We're on the bonfire weekend. It's UK's uh, celebration of its most famous terrorist. Remember, remember the 5th of November, gunpowder, treason and plot. I know of no reason why the gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. Yeah. I say fair play to him, but that's... I say fair play to him as well, if only he'd... Uh... Succeeded. Succeeded? <laughs> well, right, then, let's well, make a start. He was all over the king, so we go back to the monarchy, so it probably isn't good, to be fair. As bad as they are, it's still better than monarchy. Well, I don't know if he did the opening. No, because it was the well, opening day of Parliament, so he was going to do them both. He was going to do the King and Parliament at the I same been, time. I would have been down for that. <laughs> <laughs> you mean even Lizzie? Yeah. Lizzie Queen herself. They'd all just been scrabbling, you know, after after that had happened, didn't they? Be no one left, hopefully. Well, no. So they'd all just be sort of scrabbling around. The you know, police chief would have had to. Take it over, I don't, I don't know. Probably would have been a general, I'd imagine. Thing. Yeah, you've ended like a temporary dictatorship. Oh, great, we'll have a fucking military dictatorship, and instead. <laughs> <laughs> Look, don't knock his logic. Anyway. Let's go back to 2012. Let's go back to 2012, and there's a study by the Spanish National Research Council that concludes that modern music seems to be getting worse every year. The researchers took 500,000 recordings of all genres of music between 1955 and 2010 and they ran every single song through a complex set of algorithms. These algorithms measured three distinct metrics. Tombral, diversity, harmonic complexity and loudness. Because if you're going to play it, play it loud. 12 to 11. Exactly. Now, over the last few decades, the timbre of music has dropped drastically, and that is the texture, colour and quality of the sounds within the music being listened to. Timbre variety peaked in the 1960s and has since been steadily declining, probably because you've got electronic music coming in after the 60s, haven't you? You've got mm-hmm. first electronic keyboards coming in. Yeah, but like even the Beatles, they had orchestral members on some of their songs, on some of their later albums and things like that. It's true. And now you just get one, you just have one drum beat 
and then you get autocorrect vocals. Yeah, auto tuning. If the singer drops a, it's a bum note, well, or doesn't hit the right note, then the auto tune just picks their voice up. So you're actually not hearing it 100% live. You're hearing it like a split second, a couple of like maybe even a second behind the actual singing. Mm -hmm. I do it live. They can do it live yeah, nowadays. Yeah. I don't just mind. No, they can. <laughs> they can do that live. If the singer drops a note and they're um, performing, it'll, the, the auto tune kicks in, picks a note up. We could all be stars. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not me. <laughs> no, I need a lot more than that to help you. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one song I can sing karaoke, and that's Should I Stay or Should I Go, where the clash, and that's because I haven't had a sing yet, I just shout it. <laughs> <laughs> now, songs increasingly have less variety in their instrumentation and recording techniques. Instead of experimenting with different instrumentation and recording techniques, the vast majority of pop music today use the same instrumentation. A keyboard, a drum machine, a sampler, and computer software. Consequently, all modern pop music sounds the same. Yeah, I should imagine that they're all using the best software that's going, and there'll only be, what, two or three of them on the market, won't there? Yeah, you'd have thought so. It's just a number, you've got, what, four instruments there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they think you might have, like, let's say, let's take Iron Maiden into account. You've got yep. three guitarists in that band, you've got overlapping layers of sound. Yeah. You know, you go back to the 50s, you've still got big band music, where you've got a singer and a full orchestra behind them. Yeah. You know, the 60s simplified it a little bit, but it was a raw sound and it was, wasn't was digitalised either. I think what you're looking at is it's a digitalisation of music. Yeah. Which has become worse now because this study was in 2012. Yeah. It's near 10 years ago. Yeah. Mm. You know, since the 60s, the melodies, rhythms and vocals of songs have set increasingly sounded similar to one another, with many modern pop songs using the exact same sequence of notes in a given key. Uh, so basically, music has become less harmonically complex. Well, the simple reason is that we feel more comfortable with familiar musical sequences. Yeah, but they just use the fifth note, back to the third and back to the fifth again. I've got yeah. a friend who plays guitar and he said that um, most of like Oasis, well, most of any, any sort of bands are just the same four sort of uh, chords just mixed up a little bit different and I was like really and he was like yeah watch this and he just did like Wonderwall and then moved straight to Live Forever and I'm just like what? <laughs> well status quo have made a fucking career out of that and they only use three chords. There we go. I also guess really there's only so many arrangements of notes isn't there? Is there an infinite amount of music that won't sound? Can you make an infinite amount of music before some of it starts sounding the same? Another one bites the dust, Vanilla Ice, mm. Ice Ice Baby. Yeah, he just ripped off. Didn't no, it wasn't. It wasn't Vanilla Ice. The dust. It was under pressure. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but there's still like only so many notes you can use in a sequence, isn't there? Well, it all starts sounding a bit similar. Well, I'm not a musician. I don't know, unfortunately. Well, there's a lot of notes and there's a lot mm. of lot of different instruments. Yeah, yeah. and you've got different pitches, haven't you? And yeah, different keys. Mm. Still, you've only got so many of them to use. I guess. And only so many of them are, you know, pleasing for the ears as well. You don't mm. want to be like... Oh, like, I love a bit know. of feedback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm fucking deaf now. <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 not you doing it. I mean, feedback from rock concerts. I've been to concerts have killed my hearing. I mean, yeah. You used to go out in places, your ears were just ringing. Yeah. For like hours after. Yeah. It wasn't until the next morning that it would subside. Mm -hmm. That can't be good for you, can it? No. <laughs> I definitely attribute rock concerts and um, and firing a tank to my deafness. Yeah, but the loudness is about feeling the music as well. We were talking about fireworks earlier and we were going, like, you know, got Ben here going, oh, they should all be quiet, they should be all soundless and everything. And I was like, well, I like the really big bang ones, the ones that boom and make your chest make feel a bit yeah. empty just for a second because it's rocked to the... You just like a big bang. Just the big bang. <laughs> so, you know, it's about feeling, you know, that's what, you know, the noise as well, it's an, a different experience and that, that sort of ringing in my ears, I know I've been to a good concert if yeah. I was lying, lying down going and hearing... <laughs> yeah, but it's probably done all total damage to your hearing as well. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> easy come, easy go, eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the 
also for the last 20 years music producers have been intentionally making songs louder by using compression effects in the studio. Compression is the process of boosting the quietest parts of a song so that they match the loudest parts, thus reducing the dynamic range or distance between the loudest and quietest parts you of the see, song. see, I like that. I like songs got quite a quiet verse and a loud chorus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see what you mean. So it's, yeah. it's that slow build-up and then it kicks yeah. in and then it drops back down again because you're going on an emotional roller coaster exactly. with a song. It all sounds the same. It's, yeah... Boring, it? Yeah. The effect of this application is to make the entire song louder no matter how loudly the listener sets the volume. This is done to make a song stand out among a pack of similar sounding songs, you know, for competitive purposes. The trade-off is that compression reduces the timbral quality of the song. Yeah. Yeah, so but you're compressing it. Oh, it's loud now, or stand out. Yeah, but it sounds shit. Mm. And I do think, I mean, let's, let's just... Go back into, into old man times and old woman times a second. Vinyl. Love the sound of vinyl. Love stuff played off vinyl. I don't know, you've got that little crackling of it. Ah, but that's... Yeah. Not if it's been played right. Oh, I'd obviously didn't play it right then. No. <laughs> Did you clean my... your needle? Oh, fuck knows. At my mum's wedding, they had Luckily, a... it wasn't long before we had tape decks. Yeah. At my mum's wedding, they had a full DJ, or several of their friends DJ'd, and they had the deck set up. There was no... Nothing. Mm. It was all. It's all taken out now. But fully quality, fucking um, oh, the, equipment, isn't it? It's also good equipment. Yeah. yeah. You know. So, but then, so that sounds great. It sounds fresh. It just sounds like a bit of sound. And then you got a tape. So you're like, well, that was still good. That's okay. CDs. It's going down again, isn't it? But it's still. That was still a high definition sound. Yeah. Until the CD got scratched. Yeah. yeah. That was annoying as fuck. But then tapes would degrade as well. Yeah, but I think that phone speakers, which most people tend to listen to music on now, are crap. Yeah. Phone speakers are terrible, they're tinny. You can't hear those undertones, mm. or they, you know, if you were, you're listening to rap or something, you can't hear yeah. some of those really low tones. Better with the headphones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because those probably have sound enhancers built in. Ah, I see. You know, you want a crisp, clear sound because they probably double as a... Uh, you can speak while wearing them now, but they has got your Bluetooth connections and... Mm. Yeah, I think that... You know, I do think vinyl is the best sound, personally. Mm, no, I still think... I mean, digital's the best sound, surely. If yeah. it isn't compressed, if it's left in its full state, like... I don't know. That's what I think. No? No, I, um, I prefer vinyl. I prefer the sound of a song from vinyl. It's a rawer sound. There's less producing done to it. It's a. I only like vinyl to mix with, really. So. <laughs> Sorry, DJ Claire. <laughs> 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 the lyrical quality of songs has gotten worse too over the last ten years. Lyrics have become more mundane and simplified. And let's say, for example, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. 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 To Beyonce's um, "Women Rule the World," which is just her saying that phrase in a variety of sequences mm. through two choruses, through a chorus and two verses. Well, there's been a study. Do you want me to read this one? You can go over that one. Yeah. A new study suggests the complexity of lyrics is declining. Mm-hmm. She just said. Yeah. Comparing words using songs to reading levels in U.S. school children, conducted by data analyst Andrew Powell Morse, the study looked into 225 songs that have topped pop country, rock and R&B, hip-hop, billboard charts for three weeks or more. I turned to the readability score, said Paul Morse, who used writing analysis tools such as the Flesh Kincaid Index, a readability test to measure reading difficulty to determine the average reading level of a section of text. He added, I plugged in song lyrics, punctuation added by me, since most songs lack it altogether, and out of the machine popped out average grade level, word count, and other very yeah. interesting <laughs> metrics. You've got to be know how to read just to read the fucking name of the test. <laughs> Don't make it easy, do they? Yeah. <laughs> Powell Morse and the fucking King King Fade King Clad fucking test. Powell Morse found that chart toppers in 2014 averaged at a second to third grade reading level. That's eight and nine in the UK. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Couldn't you because all the songs are about fucking dumping your boyfriend or girlfriend or... That's it now. 
It's all crap. The song I was listening to, come on Radio 1 the other day, it, it was the, the word woman, she'd said it like eight times in a row, and I was just like, that's taking the piss, and I just went to The word I hate is fucking baby, it's in every fucking song, isn't it? Fucking baby, baby. I'm baby. <laughs> baby. You want like the Justin Bieber vehicle, I saw no. the, the, the baby song, I don't, no. know. I don't know what it's called, I'm assuming it's called baby, because he's pretty much all he says in the yeah. song. I've heard it, mate. It's <laughs> not one of your favourites, then? No, definitely not. <laughs> Are you also a fan of the Pamela Anderson film, of Barbed Wire? Don't call me babe. You know, she's don't call me babe. Ah, uh, that's a bit babe. It's different. <laughs> no. It's all different. <laughs> and it's Pamela Anderson. <laughs> nah, it's a shit film, isn't it? It's, it's a terrible. Her outfit was the best thing about that movie. I don't think I got through it. It was I awful. It. I did have the soundtrack, though, and the soundtrack was pretty good. Well, bear that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> And there's the lesson that even the worst films can have the best soundtrack. So crunchy music lyrics are the highest reading difficulty. Mm. Clocks in at 3.3. Largely due to the number of syllables typically used in country songs such as Hallelujah, Cigarettes, Hillbilly and Tacklebox. And and don't forget Gunrack. Not to mention place names including Cincinnati, Louisville, Mississippi and Louisiana. So basically they... They're fluking that in, aren't they? Because it's just because Hallelujah probably makes it, you know. Yeah. And then you've got, you know, the names. Hillbilly. Yeah. But it's still scored 3.3. Pop got 2.9. Rock got 2.9. And hip-hop and R&B got 2.6. Hmm. The data, Palmore's admitted, doesn't consider nuances of meaning in the lyrics or metaphors, which might be why groups such as Nickelback score particularly high in the rock category. Well, there, I think, is all you need to know that if... Why music is shit is Nickelback considered good. I just want to defend the R and B. Half of theirs is slang, so you know, isn't a lot of their what they're saying missed in translation. Well, you'd also argue as it's slang, maybe shorter words or less syllables. Mm-hmm. Whole point of slang, innit? Mm. Mm. Innit? Innit? <laughs> <laughs> yep. And apparently, at the time. It, when he did the study Danny California by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. That song's just him shouting random words. <laughs> well, it's got a reading level of 5.5. Oh, no, it's not. No, it's not. I'm thinking of a different track. Yeah, I know. I know the one you're on about. Okay. That's what that, Yeah, that's got some big words in it. And then you go back to Bob Dylan. It was fucking poetry, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's beautiful lyrics. Jimi Hendrix and all that. And Led Zeppelin. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't want to be a backdoor man? <laughs> yeah, a whole lot of love is not fantastic lyrics, though, is it? No, maybe not that one. It's <laughs> one of the most famous. Misty Mountain Hop, or what's the other one? Talk about this song about hobbits. <laughs> Half their songs are hobbits, or uh, anal sex. <laughs> yeah, in all fairness, probably right. Yeah. yeah. So maybe people haven't got the creativity they did? You'd think they would, wouldn't you? You'd think surely the standard of education has gone up, even though we've learned from when we watched Idiocracy and did... Did the podcast on that? Yeah, we found out that, uh, yeah, we're getting thicker. Haven't they got a cater for what people are liking as well? What's selling? This is another thing. <laughs> this is another thing. <laughs> they push it on you. Right. They make you like it, don't they? Yeah, you're basically, if there's a, pop, a song they want to push, then... Does it cost three million? Up to three million. Up to three million dollars to get a new artist out there. Okay. Yeah. So in the old days, you know, you used to record an album and put it out there. But if it flopped, you lost your money. Mm-hmm. But now what they do is that they flood the airways with that song by this artist. So they put it in the supermarkets. Shopping centres, on the radio, yeah, in yeah, films, yeah. TV. Yeah. I've seen the ones on the on the commercials, and yeah. next thing you know, they're out in the charts, aren't they? And you're like, oh, I don't know this band. A Babylon oh, Zoo. Yeah. On the Levi advert. Yeah. I had that album. <laughs> did you? Yeah. That's the one good song they ever did, wasn't it? That Space Man. Yeah, that's the, I don't think... Less, did you have any other albums? I don't know. No. They did follow-up songs, that, didn't they? It was terrible. That's, yeah. Army of Ants or something? I have no idea. I don't even know. The fact that you know that puzzles me. I just remember. It was terrible. Yeah, so the lyrics are shitter. Yeah, you just gotta look at Bohemian Rhapsody. 
There you go, that's the, probably the pinnacle of lyrical writing in terms of complicatedness. I mean, Bob Dylan's just mumbling away anyway. It doesn't matter what he says. Yeah, it's poetry, but he's just mumbling away. Mumbling away. I thought, I thought it's not Eddie Vedder, to be fair. Yeah. I love Eddie Vedder. Great lyrics, but we can't hear what he's saying half the time. I thought a lot of these like, old writers write songs for up-and-comings and that. They do. Some of them do. Most songs are written by like one bloke. Which we'll get into in a minute. Which we'll get into surely. Right. Because technology allows music fans to have access to so many songs now, today's pop songs are laden with hooks that appear in a song as soon as possible in order to keep the listener listening, otherwise he or she will skip to the next song. Yeah. No Iron Butterflies. No. Don't produce now. <laughs> oh, look, you mean no one's going to write the next In the Garden of Eden? Yeah. And it's true, but that's because attention spans are falling. It's something waffling yeah. on before. Yeah. You know, listen to it, you yeah. skip it. In the Garden of Eden has got a fucking. It's 18 minutes long and it's got like a 10 minute drum solo in it. I think there's pretty. Some, you know, Jethro Tuller got a flute going on for five <laughs> yeah. minutes. No one's listening to that. We just scroll on, don't we? Yeah, because you go, oh, next song, fuck it, skip, Spotify's I've got unlimited tracks here. It's just throwing them at me with an algorithm. Some are hits, some are missed, yeah. but if it's not got my attention the first 30 seconds, boop. Couldn't do that on tape decks, because you have to fast forward it. Oh, yeah. And then you go over, you're like, oh, I've got to go back and try to get the sweet spot. And if you, if you take players on the way out, there's a very good chance you're going to you know, get that tape out, you're going to have to wind it back in with a pencil. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Right there. Yeah, you have to be careful. the tape deck and <laughs> No! Uh, and you have to be, you know, you come to a point in every tape player's life when it started to do it more and more. It like... so, oh. You get tape repair stuff, do you remember? If your tape had snapped, you can go and buy this tape repair stuff that you sort of bandaged it over. Oh, wow. I always thought it was quite amazing that the, the song was on that, that little piece of tape. Mm. It is mental, really, when you think about it. Why well, you sort of look through it and you couldn't see shit, could you? <laughs> I don't know what I was expecting, like, you know, like a... Little musical like notes. Little musical <laughs> notes, like the, the photographs when you look through the negatives, I don't know. So I was thinking, but, you know, maybe there's some dots or, like, music braille. <laughs> music braille? <laughs> like the old piano chords. I was only a kid when, you know... What pisses me off though when they change the formats is you just get a good fucking collection of the last one, don't you? Mm. You just get a good size collection and then you go, ah, oh, everything's on CD now. You're like, yeah. oh, I'm going to buy all this again in a few years. That's it. Our generation, well, we're technically millennials, but we're pretty much Gen Xers, aren't we as well? Yeah. There's a crossover point. Genials. Yeah. So they've had to... <laughs> that doesn't sound right. Xennial, sorry. The Generation Xenials. X had to change from vinyl to tape to CD to MP3. Go back with they've it. had to go and buy the, the new format for each of them. Yeah. No wonder they're pissed off. Capitalism, don't, eh? Don't forget the old eight tracks. On a mini-disc. Mm. Oh, a mini-disc and a mini-disc player. The only good thing about that is it was cheaper to buy blank discs and copy from the CD. Mm. You could do that. At least they gave the, the, you plugged it into the aux, auxiliary out and it would record onto a blank disc. And yeah, would, but then CD writers came into computers and used to... Of course, you just do it anyway with a CD. So yeah. the CD writer killed the mini-disc. Yeah, it did. <laughs> and the hard drive killed the CD. Yeah. Yeah. The iPod? MP3s, wasn't it? MP3s? Mm-hmm. You could press it into small files and it could still sound pretty good. Good enough. Not good enough. Why the internet's good enough? enough. <laughs> that falls in the thing is because it's been compressed then, the quality isn't good enough. It isn't, isn't the same as it once was. No, no, it isn't. But it's good enough. Yeah, well, you can, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty tone deaf. We know that, yeah. <laughs> You know, it's, it's 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 okay, isn't it, to listen to? Do you know what I mean? It's true. Yeah, you're right, but it's still just for you if you're doing a jog or you know or whatever or on the bus to work, or whatever. It, it does the job, doesn't it? Yeah, and, it's, it's and it doesn't skip. Fun. Let's face it. Yeah. See, remember, everyone had a portable CD player. Oh, yeah. Anti-skip, fifteen seconds. Nah, bollocks. You couldn't walk with one of them no. things. Never mind. Not unless you went for one of the really posh ones that cost a couple hundred quid. You weren't jogging with that shit. I think no. it only just fit in my pocket. It was like yeah, yeah, it's massive. You had to have your like your big coat on. Yeah. <laughs> your winter coat. Winter on a summer coat. day, walking down <laughs> yeah. with your headphones on, going, "This isn't cool." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, should we go on the next one? 
the timbral harmonic and dynamic homogenization of today's pop music is a result of risk aversion on the part of the music industry. Because it takes so much money to invest in developing new musical talent, many of whom are discovered on talent shows such as America's Got Talent or The X Factor, record labels want to bet on a sure thing by taking no artistic risks. So if they have these shows, people that were already voting for them are sort of invested in their story, then it's a sure thing, isn't it? Absolutely. Mm. Look at Susan Boyle, alright. She is not your typical pop star. She had an amazing voice and she's probably a little bit mentally ill. <laughs> I think that's fair to say. But you put her on that and everyone else, she comes out and belts one song every week. Oh, they love it, don't they? They're going to buy her album. Mm. Of course they're going to buy her album. Will Young, he finished second. He made a career out of that. Mm. They all got the backstories and the tear-jerky mm. moments. Well, you've got to have a backstory. Well, Your parents have got to have died. They've got no chance. <laughs> in a horrible way or you you're, you're an, you're, you you know, watch someone get their legs blown off in Iraq and you made a song about it yeah. I wouldn't put on it <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't put it past them like, anything that strikes those heartstrings oh. we'll get them on because it's you're making your money or maybe a love song for the person that's dead well you whatever no, you're not going to write, write, write a song called Johnny got his legs blown off <laughs> that's what you just said <laughs> but, no that's what you see in your backstory. Oh yeah, I watched my mate get his legs blown off. He died on the chopper out, and I wrote a song about how much of ace he was. Yeah. And it's called Johnny. I hardly knew you. <laughs> <laughs> because you're not making your money. You're making your money off their career later on, but you need to you need to get the money to launch a career. So it's one pound fifty to call up and vote. You get a million. You get a million votes every week times one pound fifty. That's paid for fucking most of it over like, the course of 12 weeks, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, I've, I've the judges take their cut, don't they? They do, but it's... They'll get paid, yeah. Shit, no, I imagine. Right, let's move on to the next one, then. The music listening public has been brainwashed into liking this music because it's being played everywhere. On the radio, in shopping malls, on the internet, in films, and on television shows. So basically this is called the mere exposure effect, which is a psychological phenomenon by which people develop a preference for things they see and hear often. More specifically, our brain releases dopamine when we hear a song that we've heard a few times before, and this effect gets stronger with each listen. Yeah, I can attest that, yeah. yeah, yeah. Even now I listen to songs that I've listened to a thousand times before, still get me emotional, Yeah. you know, John Lennon. The emotional how much he vanished with his own arse. Because <laughs> he did. Did vanish with his own arse. Well, maybe, but at least he was trying to do something for good, wasn't he? Yeah. Yes. Well, he, he, he was staying in bed for peace, but... <laughs> it's not the hardest thing to do in the world, but... No, I mean, I could do that. At least he spoke out and he got, well, he got murdered for it, didn't he, effectively? I think he's got murdered by a nutcase. So that was it, the guy who read Catcher in the Rye and took it too literally. He had mental problems, Mark David Chapman. Mm. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, well, and uh, you thought I used to play songs on repeat because you just loved it so much. Yeah, all the time. Rolling Stones painted black. When I first heard that song, I was like, that's a fucking tune, that is. Mm. I was done any war at the damn CD, putting that on repeat, I'm sure I did. I said, you used to buy an album, didn't you? You used to listen to it for the whole week, just on yeah. repeat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, I mean, you judge it on albums, you don't buy albums. I don't buy albums anymore, I, buy, I, listen, I listen to individual songs that are set to me by an algorithm. Yeah. You know, yeah, we've lost that, haven't we? Yeah, the whole buying an album, hoping it's good. Yeah. Because, I mean, you might hear, like, you hear the first song, the first single gets released, then the album gets released, and they take further singles off. But it's like, it was a risk, wasn't it? Yeah. I always felt a bit ripped off when they when they released more than three singles off an album. I was just like, oof. Yeah, me too, actually. It's like, nice. I've only actually got four songs that I've really sort of paid yeah, for. Because the other ones are all over the shop. I used to buy the singles as well. Did you? If it's a band I really liked. Mm. So I'd buy the album, then I'd buy the singles, and then I'd buy the vinyls as well. Wow, Mr. Big Book's over here. Yeah, <laughs> I spent a shitload of music when I was younger. And no, we don't. That's the thing. Good bloody job. <laughs> I mean, you can get, I can, you know, listen to YouTube music. I get a few ads, but I can listen to pretty much most songs. 
Spotify, same. I can listen to certainly a good hundred thousand songs for nothing. I know the ads are a bit fucking intolerable on Spotify, but there's other you know, music, other musical apps or um, Amazon Music. I because I'm a Prime member, I can actually get a decent membership on that. Yeah. I never bother with it. To be fair, I used to put YouTube Music on. Yeah, when the ad comes on, it's just like listening to the radio, isn't it? We've been, you know. Yeah. Thirty seconds. Mm. But Spotify's terrible for the ads. But as we're all sat here moaning and we're nearly 40, older people don't like new music, do they? Not generally, no. You know, we know musical tastes begin to solidify as early as 13 or 14, I'd agree with that. Yeah. And they're pretty much locked firmly into place in our early 20s. Most of us stop exploring new music entirely by the time we turn 33. I can believe that, although I still do make, always make an effort when I go to a festival, I go and see bands I've never heard of. Yeah, I think it's different for a festival goer, isn't it? You know, you're, you're, it's again being exposed to different things, isn't it? Yeah. You know, who would who would know that we loved, you know, Pirate Sea Shanties, unless you've heard, you know, I can't remember what the band's Hail name Storm. is. But yeah, they do funny sea shanties and, you know. Yeah, funny pirate metal, pirate metal is huge pirate now. Metal, you know. Yeah. Oh. I do now still occasionally listen to if I, new music if I come across it, but most of it, 95%, 99% of it is stuff I know. Mm -hmm. I want to listen to the same music I know and I like. It wraps you in that feel-good blanket, yeah. doesn't it? I think and you get emotionally attached to songs, especially in your teenage years. Yeah. Certain songs means things to you personally as well. And you can remember, oh, you know, I remember when this song came out, you know, we did this and that, and it was great. And I remember doing that to this song. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? There's a certain a music debating furiously. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> but music does have emotional weight, and the same songs do have that emotional pull. But then again, on a verse side, there's a band I can't listen to anymore because of the memory associated with that with the person with that band. Yeah. Can't do it because we discovered them together. Yeah. Can't do that anymore. Can't listen to that band. It pisses me off. But emotionally, it's like, I'm not ready for that. Maybe in ten years I'll go back to it. Yeah, it just shows how important music is to us. And, you know, if it's all starting to sound the same and the quality's decreased immensely, the new generation are missing out, aren't they? That's why, that's why bands like Iron Maiden, Metallica, ACDC are still going. popular. <laughs> because they sound better than what's being put in and there's, put, there's no bias against rock yes we're all pretty much Claire you like a bit of dance as well don't you yeah I love a bit of dance R&B drum and bass yeah me and Mike are more in the rock camp I like me reggae you know, as well fucking reggae fuck love off reggae. Fuck yeah. off love reggae love ska love soul fuck I off like a bit of punk as well punk a bit of punk yeah but that's all still good isn't it and to, compared to what they're shitting out today with the next bunch of pretty faced people in a band it's all got the same tempo all got the same tempo all got the same beat all of these same chords pretty much use the same shitty lyrics oh it's a yeah it's like I say it's a cover of an already popular song yeah. they've just done because it'll they know it'll sell because it's a popular song that's why I got I almost got a tear in my eye the other day when uh, my six year old walked into the kitchen and went computer play planet rock that's our <laughs> Alexa and I was just like oh that's <laughs> Mm. Bless him. Men are even less likely than women to explore new music. Oh, really? As they get older, yeah? Yeah. Starters, there's the evidence that the brain's ability to make subtle distinctions between different chords and other musical elements gets worse with age, so new, unfamiliar songs may in fact sound more alike to older ears than to younger ears. Right. I suppose everything slows down eventually. When you're in your teens, you spend a lot of time listening to music, discussing it with your friends, watching music videos. And the songs and artists are popular during this time become familiar, comforting parts of your life. When you get to 30, life's too busy to allocate much attention to discovering new music. And because you've got to raise a family, you've got to advance your career, you've got to sit here and get stoned. Mm -hmm. I, do, I do know about, about uh, music snobbery. Like, uh, College, there was yeah. a bit of that going on. Oh, you don't know the name of this band, but you're not a real fan, then are you? And you're oh, like, oh, oh I hate fuckers like that. And I'm like, fuck. So sometimes you just like 
pretending like you're just nodding in a conversation hoping you never got like asked about a band or a lyric or something. He was obsessed with that one, he was a right fucking annoying Yeah, I was disturbed just come out and I was like, I really like this band, I bought bought the album. He's like, oh really, well what's the seventh song called? I don't fucking know. I don't carry around the track listing in my head, that's why there's a booklet. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck's sake. Yeah, well, what's the lyrics to so-and-so? And you're like, mate, I don't carry it around in my head. Uh-huh. Just to repeat on demand. Oh, you're not real metal, Ben. No, it's not too easy. Well, my brain's too busy pictures of boobs. Yeah. <laughs> just, boob, just boobs and Simpsons quotes in my head, yeah. that's it. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, you're hearing that song everywhere. And some songs, you know, they are still good. It's not all new music is shit, because it isn't. It does depend on the genre. Most songs are written by one or two blokes, but most of them are still artists striving away who've got internet popularity, which is the best thing for the music industry is internet popularity now. Yeah. Some artists got a YouTube channel, they record themselves playing songs, or they put the, the full edited version up, gets a million hits, chances are that guy's going to, oh, it's not like a million, but you know, it really takes off. Dude's going to have a music career, isn't he? Or at least a better one until he runs out of material. Or at least they'll get, you know, get some gigs somewhere in it. Because I think I think that's where we uh, there was a disconnect, wasn't there? A, lot, a bit of live music, everybody's uh, disconnected. I think that's where we should be, you know, going back to, shouldn't we? You do because everything sounds raw, alive. It sounds better. That's why you do get the timbre coming in, the the overlapping of uh, of notes and the symphonies, everything melding together, blasting at you, making you deaf, as we've discussed. Yeah. And they throw in a few solos as well, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. When I last saw Ozzy Osbourne, he fucked off stage for 20 minutes. This guy was just doing guitar solo for two. He's awesome. And I was like, is he coming back? <laughs> as much as this is ace, I did sort of want to see Ozzy, not just his guitarist. Yeah. I don't like the band. No, no concern for him. He could have had a heart attack. He's just like, was he coming back? <laughs> Paid my damn money, Claire. Don't <laughs> give him a prop him up and do it weekend at Bernie's style. I said to see him back on stage. <laughs> <laughs> Pay for what you get, damn it! <laughs> yeah, I don't know the band. It's just repeat, like the album from start. To yeah, basically. I Unless you specifically got to see that. Some bands do. When I saw Therapy, it was mm. the Trouble Gum anniversary. <laughs> so they just played the album in its entirety, and then they did like B sides and shit. Oh, I saw the Black Album. I mm. am Metallica. That was Ace. Yeah, well, like you're live, and that they. Expand the song a bit, put your solos. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think just play it verbatim, yeah. they put their own little twists on it for live versions, yeah. But some bands do, don't they? They're yeah. saying just like they're on the CD. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, I can see a live honesty sort of a bit different, a bit more. Mm-hmm. Give me so more. It's more personal because, you know, the way you played that song. You, you, you're not you're not ever going to hear it like that again as well. No. Unless you're one yeah. of these sad cases with your, your phone up and recording the oh, whole thing. You know, I found myself doing that sometimes. Oh, no. I'm, I'm recording it, and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? I'm watching the screen is in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> it's meant to, even I get drawn into that. Cause especially if it's a, like, I went into Soundgarden and I recorded Spoonman. Like, mainly because it's like one of my favourite Soundgarden. But I was watching, I was, I was doing it, and I was like, I'm going to get this whole song. Then I was like, I'm watching it through a fucking screen and it's in front of me. What am I doing? Yeah. And my arm really hurts. Mm. <laughs> when did this start? When can we pin this down to? And I think we can probably start it with Napster in 1999. Is what the common consensus seems to be. Napster, of course. For anyone that doesn't know, if you weren't alive in 1999, which is a possibility for some of the listeners. Um, it was the first file to file sharing. You could just someone would upload an album, you would download it off them, send them something back. You didn't have to send. You didn't have to send. You you just have to have an available hard drive to sort of share with peers, and this this program would detect how many albums Ben has, how many Mike's got, and how many I've got, and then depending on what you want, you know, it would just share them, wouldn't you? And, mm. You'd just choose which one you want and then it'd be there in a day or something. Maybe a little bit longer, depending on your internet connection. It was the, um, the old dial-up. Yeah. That's why I said a day, you know. <laughs> it, it, it really, it, you know, after like internet got better, it was like minutes, wasn't it, you know, to get yeah. the whole album. 
and that's when it would become magical, wasn't yeah. it? You know. Yeah, that's when the record industry broke. Yeah. <laughs> basically, that's why they greedy, they didn't they? And that's why Napster got sued and sued out of existence mm. by various music mm. artists. Um, I think Lars Ulrich was one of them from Metallica. Yeah, but if they weren't charging four pound for a single, they got greedy, didn't they? Yeah. And people yeah. were like, oh, you know, we can get this for free now, so fuck you. It's like when you tapped out and you're like, I'm not playing any more of these vinyl singles or anything. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That was it for me then. I was like, never paying for music again. I never yeah. have. Well, it's interesting that between 1999 and 2010, US music sales plummeted by 50% from 14.6 billion to 6.3 billion. Ooh, look what we did. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Well, they got their money back when they go and see them live with ticket prices of spiked haven't they yeah. Yeah. 80 quid to go and see a band now it's disgusting isn't it, it is. really it's insane it's like 15 20 quid what, festival, back in the day. festival back in the day 90 odd 90 quid yeah 90 my quid. first three days yeah ready 99 was 90 quid what are you looking at now nearly 300 for download uh five nights camping 250. see Mm-hmm. Or around 220, 220 to 250, somewhere like that. I can't remember the top of my head. It might, might be about 220. That was a couple of years ago, wasn't it? I think it's still about the same price. Yeah. I don't think it's gone up that much. Mm. But still, 80 quid to go and see one band, 220 to see as many as I can go and be asked to see. Yeah. Yeah, if, if they've got the ones that you like. Well, you don't go and see the ones you like. Or you just go for the atmosphere and soak it in. You'll find something you like. Mm. There's wrestling, there's uh, medieval combat. The fun fair. Comedy tent. Yes. Film tent. Mm. So during where were we? So remember, the iPod and iTunes in two thousand three. People say pain again. Apple took a hefty cut of approximately thirty percent of each sale on its iTunes platform, leaving less revenue for record companies that sold songs to Apple. Now it's as picked up again. It generated forty-three billion in revenue during twenty seventeen, with twenty billion of it generated from online streaming services like Spotify and Apple Music, as well as live music. However, of that twenty billion, record labels took home only ten billion, with musicians taking home only five point one. Madness, isn't it? The people that actually make the music get the least. Yeah. But why are they getting so little? That's always been that way, it? Record labels get the most, haven't they? Yeah, it wasn't until the odd few bands came out in the 60s at one point, uh, I think it was Led Zeppelin. They were like, right, we're sacking our agent because you want 90% of our live show income. We're only getting 10% and I, you know, we want 90, you're having 10. Oh, that's not going to work because you're still getting 10% of Led Zeppelin. Look at it that way. All you got to do is book a few venues. All you got to do is book some venues. <laughs> we're doing the work. Yeah. Yeah. All you've got to do is organise transport and book venues. And that comes out of the main tour, pro- mm. tour pot anyway, doesn't it? And they just don't want to take the risk. There's a longer interview here. Basically, just saying that they're afraid to take the risk. They don't want to pump in $3 million to get, a, to get an artist up and coming, thrown out there, find them. They don't want to do that because it's a flop. It's easier to get, mm. as you mentioned, it's easier to get people off the talent show. Yeah. Who people already like and you just got to push that publicity a bit more, push that media liking feeling to the people. It's yeah. tragic, it's, it is a death of the industry. Alright, so the reason, another reason that this is the, the big conspiracy is that, you know, why do most songs sound the same? Because they were written by like one dude. One man. Well, over the past 20 years. Over yeah. the past 20 years, a lot of song, major pop songs have been written by one guy, and you don't even know who he is, but you'll find out now. Right. So, who do you think's been the most influential? Well, I'd, I'd argue Britney Spears, Madonna, Michael Jackson, Beyonce, yeah. Simon Cowell, Louis Armstrong. Not Louis Armstrong. <laughs> <laughs> What's his name? He, he was a bit before that, wasn't he? Yeah. Louis, Louis Walsh. Louis Walsh, <laughs> people like that. Okay, so they, they've been like, you know quite successful. There's only one man whose musical accomplishment easily trumps all these artists. Well, if you told me that, Claire, I'd think you're insane. Really? And... <laughs> <laughs> and what if I told you that most people probably uh, have never heard of this person and definitely wouldn't recognise him walking down the street? I'd say, well, point, point this song wizard out to me, is what uh, I'd say. <laughs> 
Well, if at any part of the last 20 years you've heard a song from the Backstreet Boys, Britney Spears, NSYNC, Kelly Clarkson, Taylor Swift, Ace of Bass, to name a few. Hang on, let's get to the next one, because Mike likes him. Katy Perry. No, not Katy Perry. Celine Dion. No. Bon Jovi, Mark's a Bon Jovi fan. I didn't know they were, uh, I thought they wrote their own song, songs, to be fair. And Pink and Justin Bieber. Then you've unwittingly been subjected to the creations of Swedish-born uh, musical genius who goes by the name of Max Martin. Wow. It's not Max Power, but it's pretty good, isn't it's it? It's pretty good. So, believe it or not, over the last 15 to 20 years, Max Martin has been the brains, ears and the talent behind virtually every hip-hop song that has been released to the screaming masses. Literally thousands of songs. Wow. He's personally responsible for churning out more Billboard singles than Michael Jackson and Madonna combined. <laughs> I what? know. How do we not know his name then? I know. So, and since he is essentially unrecognisable to the average person, that might make him the most famous, non-famous person on the planet. He's got it. He's got it. He's got it right, then, hasn't he? Mm -hmm. He's the only one that's got it right, isn't he? He's got his whole privacy. No one really knows who he is. <laughs> yeah. So, when the Backstreet Boys celebrated their twenty-year anniversary of their career, they were inducted into a Hollywood Hall of Fame. On hand to give remarks was an un unremarkable looking man named Max Martin with his um, Seth Rogen-esque neck beard and hair down to his shoulders. He wrote many of the Backstreet Boys hit songs. During his speech, Martin reminisced, uh, reminisced fondly of his first encounter with the boys. He met the future superstars in um, a hip Stockholm restaurant in the mid-90s. He told them he was excited to hear them sing in the studio later that evening and in response the band stood up and serenaded him in the spot. <laughs> uh, he says, I got, I got goosebumps, it was amazing. For millions of people around the world this just happened to be the event of a lifetime but for Martin it was just another day of his life. Wow. So who is Max Martin, a.k.a. Martin Carl Sandberg? He was a huge rock star in Sweden. No. Was he a was huge? Was he a huge rock star in Sweden? Not really. Uh, was he a powerful executive? Nope. What was Svengali-like. Svengali-like manager who knows all the secrets to the, uh, the music business. He's, he's not that either. No. If he was any one of these things, it would be hard to explain why the most popular song he produced in his own band, It's Alive, had fewer than a thousand views on uh, YouTube today. Well, that's mental. Oh. Max may not have gotten super famous with his hard rock band, It's Alive, but he did receive two important gifts from the experience. One, when the band recorded their first and only album, they hired a producer named Dennis Pop and... Dennis is the person who suggested that Martin Carl Sandberg um, should change his name forever to Max Martin. Good morning, <laughs> Dennis Pop here. <laughs> oh, yeah, you need to change your name to something more catchy, like Max Martin. I don't know why I Columbia there. <laughs> Couldn't keep up the countless. So while recording their album, Max... Astutely learned that the tricks of the producing trade from Dennis. In an interview years later, Max explained, I didn't even know what a producer did. I spent two years, day and night, in that studio to learn what the hell was going on. When It's Alive flopped at the record stores, Martin immediately decided that he really belonged on the other side of the glass in the recording studio. He began assisting Dennis Pop. Um, Dennis Pop. Sorry, Dennis I, can't, I can't. I just, I, I keep chuckling at it inwardly, <laughs> like I have to let it out. Dennis, Dennis Pop. Dennis what do you do? What do you do, Dennis Pop? I'm a, I'm a music producer with a name like Dennis Pop. What do you expect? So he was helping Dennis as a sound engineer and a songwriter for all the incoming talent. One of the first projects that Martin collaborated was on a fellow Swedish band, Ace of Bass. Oh, that you want is another baby. Yeah. I saw the sign. And I saw the sign and it opened. I saw the swastika. Does it? It was They were right. They were right. They were right. Right wing pop bang. Yeah, the, I saw the sign. is about a swastika, apparently. Never. <laughs> yeah, but you know, all that she wants is the baby. 
<laughs> guessing was to do with Liebensraum. Repopulation. There you go. It's, it's move. Is some SS officer's wife wants another blonde-haired child. <laughs> <laughs> I never considered that uh, in my youth. So that was no, we didn't. No, we didn't. So that was in nineteen ninety-five, and the album was called The Bridge. This album eventually sold six million copies worldwide. As big as a success as that was, it was the the next project that captured Martin. Catapulted. To, catapulted Martin to astronomical success. Impressed by his um, songwriting and producing work, an A and R executive from the record company Jive decided that Max was the perfect person to work on the debut album <clears throat> of a fresh young boy band called the Backstreet Boys. Oh. Martin co-wrote single, the singles Quit Playing Games with My Heart in Brackets, As Long As You Love Me and Everybody. That was a big hit for them. It was. It's got a great great video, isn't it? Very halloween It's actually is a good video, I'll give you that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not bad. I used back to be... in the day as well, it had a, I should imagine the budget for it was... There's, yeah, there's some decent huge. makeup on that video, yeah, to be yeah. fair. It was well produced and, uh, yeah. It used, be, it used to be on the, I used to the Cannons, and that song was quite big then. It was always on the music, it was on the MTV or yeah. whatever it was, in the gym. It was like, oh god. But the music video is actually quite good. Like, <laughs> what? Well, the album wanted to sell more than 10 million copies worldwide. Boom. So, what was the, um, perhaps the most remarkable about Martin's career is the consistency of which he churns out songs that find their way into the ears of millions of people around the globe. Britney Spears, Celine Dion, Christine Aguilera, we've named a few of these already. Yeah. But more than, more than half, half of the Backstreet <laughs> Boys 1999 album Millennium, and the list goes on and on. Since 1999, Max has written or co written over 50 top 10 hits and 22 songs that hit number one. That's so impressive. It's got to be a formula or something, hasn't it? 22 number ones, yeah. 50 top 10 hits. Yeah. On, on the US billboard, that's not the same anywhere else. He, he just knows what's catchy mm. then, doesn't he? His work has sold a collective 135 million singles worldwide. Yeah, this yeah, but is it good that one person is writing all the songs? The whole point is to share humanity's creativity. Not just have one guy to write everything. It's just a cheat, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Are you only getting his perspective on life? You're getting He's... only his thoughts, his creative... <laughs> No, because he's writing songs for people, so he's he's writing. Yeah, it's only him. It's, we're getting. It's like if you're in the charts, uh, all you all you heard was Madonna. That was it. There's only Madonna and 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 one other artist. So Madonna or Pink. That's your choice. Yeah. He's writing songs for both of them, so it's too late. <laughs> I, that's literally what it's like, isn't it? That's what it would be like. You'd only have two artists in the fucking. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's basically the same. It's the same songwriters. Different songs fighting it out for number one every week, isn't it? Yeah, but all these Just songs. different artists. We know all these songs now sound the same anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, they've all got the same catchy hooks to get you in, haven't yeah. they? You know, I mean, all right, so Katy Perry wrote I Kissed a Girl, Teenage Dream, California Girls, Raw, and Dark Horse. Now, I'm familiar with I Kissed a Girl. Fairly quite arousing, actually. Britney Spears, Oops, I Did It Again, Stronger, Baby One More Time, Till The World Ends, Backstreet Boys, Gone Through Them, Kelly Clarkson, Since You've Been Gone, My Life Would Suck Without You, that's two songs, <coughs> NSYNC, Tearing Up My Heart, It's Gonna Be Me, I Want You Back, Taylor Swift, We're Never Getting Back Together, I Knew You Were Trouble, 22, Bad Blood, The Weeknd, Can't Feel My Face, Justin Timberlake, Can't Stop The Feeling, that's just, just a sample, that's just a sample, those are, I mean, I'm not a pop music aficionado, but it's just imagination, but even I am aware that those songs exist. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've probably heard them at some point, I just couldn't tell you what they are. I've just made a link between, just looking at that list, I've just made a link between the last one. Can't stop the feeling, dun, 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 dun. And then you've got, uh, like, Katy Perry's song, I Kissed a Girl. And it's, it's got the same dun, dun, you know, it's quite simple. Yeah. Yeah, well, yes, this boils down to the instruments they're using, so we, mm. again, lose the time with the music. And them same notes. Yeah. Going through the third and the fifth note. <clears throat> Maybe he's just, he knows what tempo that everybody sort of likes, you know. We don't, can't go too fast, because the old grannies don't like it. We can't go yeah. too slow, because the young don't like it. This is the one that sells the most, you know, so he, he might have done it, not, not scientifically. He's just No, he's got a lab. I'm a team of scientists in an underwater volcano mm -hmm. with a big computer that fills a room, and then he's got Professor Frink there, 
And he's like, the best thing to a song is love. Who's been doing? Uh, <laughs> who's been doing shit to the Frinkie the Frinkie at three thousand? Yeah. Well, over the years, he's noticed. Oh, I've I've set out, you know this many songs have gone out. This many are at this tempo, and he could do like you know yeah. the mathematical the, the, the mean of it is this this tempo, and that's yeah. that's what's Some chords in it, isn't it? It's called a millennial whoop. Whoop, whoop, whoop. And he's earned two hundred and fifty million. I'm not saying he's not a talented guy. He must be talented. He knows what the people want to hear, or what makes them want to hear it. And Claire said that, it's that same tempo. Yeah, but if everything's the same tempo from that one person's imagination, it's stunting creativity, surely. So what should we do? Should we we should go to his house and execute him and stop him writing more songs? What do you, you can't stop the guy from writing songs. No. He's, he's obviously very. He's worth two hundred and fifty million quid, so he's fucking great at it. But maybe we should go back to listen to artists actually write their own music and lyrics. That's true, but they sucker you in with all their catchy advertising, don't they? Well, you've well, got Ed Sheeran, he writes his, doesn't he? There you go. Adele, well, does she write hers? I don't know. Yeah, she writes hers. Who, well. sorry? Adele. Adele. Probably. Ed so you still get a few of them, but oh, yeah, the majority of it is just bullshit. But I think who listens to this and sad, who listens to, to pop music, really? It is. It's. <laughs> It's it's preteen girls and boys, and lonely women with cats, and lonely men with cats. I don't listen to pop music. <laughs> well, you don't because your music taste in the nineteen when you were thirteen solidified in rock. You got into that, but you used to have oh, E. <laughs> but you used to have E. Seventeen albums. I did. Which is basically this guy might have wrote songs for them. You made them. Hmm. So you might, if you're, if we hadn't have heard rock music, didn't you see your taxi driver used to play Pearl Jam? That's how you first heard rock music. Oh, it was one of the lads in the in the taxi, yeah. Yeah. To get to school. Yeah, right? used to get to school. If you'd have gone in a different taxi, yeah, you wouldn't have heard rock music till later. But that would have been too late to your music taste. Wouldn't have. Yeah. So you, you'd have been primary school. You'd have been sat here listening to E17 yeah, right now. Primary school, listening to E17, and then went to secondary school. Older boys are like. You know, listen to that shit, listen to this. I was like, I suppose it's getting... And they beat you until you liked it with a what? sock full of pennies because yes. you went to a grammar school <laughs> and that's what happens at those <laughs> things. And then you were brutally sodomised, we know. <laughs> <laughs> it's tragic, that's the public school system. <laughs> <laughs> when you're older, you got to do the sodomising so it all works out. There we go. <laughs> No easy to use a cricket bat, that was it. No easy to use a cricket bat, that was it. Not the thick end. That wasn't cricket. <laughs> Sorry, where were we? Forget now, but... Yeah, I know where you're coming from. It shouldn't be the one guy's writing all these songs because it, it's like... It stifles it, creativity. stifles creativity, but... It's the same shit. But it's like, in the music industry where you join, yes, yes, it's worth billions, but you still join, you want to get into the music industry, number one, to share your gift, number two, to make a lot of money. That's the only two reasons, now, I'm just glad now I can smugly say that my music was better in my day. <laughs> and I've got scientific evidence to back it up. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. it well, yeah, you can. What I, what I believed. Oh, there you go. Yeah, but like, even the music from the grunge that I like and the the nineties music. You know, I still love the sixties and seventies music. Yeah, it's got a lot more depth, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it has. I virtually don't listen to anything beyond two thousand now. Some I, bands, but I used to think there's a, there's a lot more passion to it. Is that the right word? The best songs are always the ones you can relate to. Or the ones that tell a story yeah. that you can relate to. And obviously, we're, we're biased because we listen to their music in our younger years and we get emotionally attached to it. Yeah. So there is a bias there, but now we've got the scientific evidence to back it up. But no, but like, hey. I mean, it's like, those are they're good songs because you can relate to them. But can you not relate to this music? Because it's like, you know, well, baby, 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 baby. Woman, 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 woman baby, baby, baby. Who let the dogs out? <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a word to against him, but... The Baha men. The Baha men. <laughs> he came from nowhere. <laughs> but, you know what I mean? It's like there was passion there, there was some, there was some substance, and now there isn't because it's mass-produced corporate music and that's sad. 
So go and support your local bands who are trying to make a living and writing their own songs. Yeah. All the kids are into Stormzy, aren't they? At least he writes yeah. his own stuff. Um, I don't mind a bit of garage. Yeah, I like a bit of garage. Mate, the only garage you've been in is the ones at your mum's. <laughs> Cleaning out. I wrote a fucking garage to you, mate. It's bollocks, but it's all right, mate. It's on the album, Solar Warden. I think there is a podcast. There's a podcast there's there's a demo album out there. There's a demo album out there floating around uh, on the on the SoundCloud feed. <laughs> Solar Warden, the debut album, and the behind the music. Yeah. Yeah. But you can't censor either. You know, it, 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 some record companies want to make money, so they get this guy to write songs for their cheesy pop acts, who's going to make millions because they've got more money to spend. They can invest more in, in, in rock bands who, and artists who write their own music, people like Stormzy, your, your grunge bands, your metal bands. Who I, come I would the pub argue scene. that people like Stormzy is probably growing organically. I think he's organic. But that's the future now, isn't it? It's organic. You've got to be organic. You've got to be organic. You're not are. fucking vegan. Yeah, well, getting, you listen to Stormzy, you're getting it through his perspective, you know, the life that he's led. It, it may, you're just getting Max Martin's perspective yeah. on everything. Yeah, yeah. And it's just mindless tat, in yeah. my opinion. You mean, apart from I Kissed a Girl? <laughs> Eminem, you know, his first couple of albums. Eminem's, it, it does say in one of the articles that he's an exception to the rule. You know. His lyrics and that are quite good. And I know, but still, yeah, I, I agree his, his lyrics are still in depth, but he's still spitting the same that he's always spitting and... Always still going out. Look at it, always spitting. Spitting. Doing just, her hand as well. Doing her hand. Doing my, do my gangster hand. Yeah. Um, he's spitting rhymes, he he's is. Spitting dirt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he, some of his albums sound, you know. Yeah, but he didn't sound like same. anyone else. No. He was quite different, wasn't he? And he's no, white, but, let's face it. That's, that plays a massive part. The fact he's, he's a very, really good lyricist who can rap and he's white in a, in a predominantly black scene. Mm. So that makes him stand out immediately because he's very white. Yeah, Just the I, same I, way I, that, that musical prodigy Vanilla Rice to do. Uh, <laughs> I just think he had a good, good couple of albums. And, oh, yeah. Like, you know, I don't know whether he signed up with. Well, he's got his own record label, didn't he? I, but yeah. I was never really into him, not my type of thing. But his first three albums I actually thought were really good. I did appreciate it. But I thought it was a bit different. at the third, and that's where, you know, maybe yeah, he maybe signed up for X amount of albums with him before he brought out his own record label. I like Dido better. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Stan's a great I track. Have, I have listened to both of their albums. They're <laughs> yeah. alright, actually. Because Eminem sampled Dido on Stan. Mm. That's good. That pushed her, to be yeah. fair. Yeah. She only got exposure because of Eminem. That's true. She? Stan was a great track. I think she actually played his girlfriend in the video as well. And she's extremely cute, which helps. Mm. And there's your other factor. Is that, you know, let's how Lemmy got to be where he was with his warty face. Because <laughs> you know, he doesn't look like he's. That's the thing you get in the, in the 70s. Yeah, you, get you listen to a fucking Hawkwind album compared to Justin Bieber. As <laughs> mad as Hawkwind were, so much more talented, you know what I mean? And you can yeah. also think that the drugs they had in the 60s must be so much better than what they've got now. Because yeah. loads of musical creativity comes through drugs. Of course. You know, yeah. Iron Butterfly in the Garden of Eden, for God's sake. That was written on drugs. Well, people say the Beatles. The, oh, cool. no, got, they were written on drugs, for sure. Yeah, yeah but the every Beatles, album after Yellow Submarine was I mean, there. people say that they prefer the Beatles. The Beatles got better after drugs. Yeah. Yeah, they you know did. I mean? After Yellow Submarine, it was fucking awesome. Yeah. Before that, it was all about my rock hands of a girl. All my rock star having three day fucking acid benders. And writing fucking the most amazing tunes yeah. and dying at 27. <laughs> <laughs> that by gum is how it should be. <laughs> yeah. You're not dead by 27, you haven't made it. Yeah, Amy Winehouse, there we go. Mm. Yeah. Drop her in there. Her, her, hers are quite deep, aren't they? Her lyrics. She's um, her black album. Her black album yeah. is really good. Yeah. If, you know, even as a, a rock fan, it's like this. That, that, I don't know that retro sound. It's like a, a almost like a Janis Joplin. Yeah, and you know if you listen to you remember that Adele wrote that did that Bond song that Bond theme. Mm. Mm. That was so written for Amy Winehouse. Yeah, I thought it was. And when you listen to it, you just imagine Amy Winehouse singing it, and you're like, yeah, that that was written for her to do that. Adele was as good a singer as she is. Yeah, it just didn't wasn't right. Yeah. 
I'll, I think they can shove their millennial whoop up their ass. <laughs> I, I don't want any part of it. It's all bollocks. Actually, I just want to point out, actually, the closing point is that both of the like Adele and Amy Winehouse are very popular because they have an older sound. Yeah, they do, yeah. They don't sound... They're not modern, are they? They've yeah. got old-sounding voices back to when music was good and they write their own stuff. Yeah. So, in a way, your loop comes back in some mm. respects and keeps the past popular. Yeah, because so, every 30 years, the people that were listening to that music is now writing it, so they're going back to their teens where they're they were inspired, yeah. 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 Unless you're just really pretty, you get stuck in a band. Mm. I thought the 70s was sort of all back in the 90s and then the 2000s, it was all 80s again, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then in this decade, it'll be all going back to the 2000s. New, okay. me- new metal's going to come back. Yeah. <laughs> Is it? New metal's going to be popular again by that logic. Oh, God. <laughs> We're going to be wearing our New York red New York Yankees hats backwards and with our baggy jeans and oh. chains again. Where's my corn t-shirt? <laughs> No, not Limp Biscuit. <laughs> they're gone forever, leave them where they should they're be. They're not the gone past. forever, they're still going. They're awful. The chocolate starfish. <laughs> and the hot dog flavoured water. <laughs> rolling, 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 rolling. They killed metal. <laughs> he doesn't love this shit right here, does he? No. He does not. He can take that lucky, take that lucky, and go show it up his ass. <laughs> On that note. <laughs> On that note. All right. So thank you very much for listening. I've been Ben. Don't drink the flavoured, and don't join the cult. And listen to us on SoundCloud, Spotify. Anyway, you can find a podcast. Really, follow us on Cut the Ball in the PTA on Facebook. No, it's, uh, it's in the post tweet apocalypse on Facebook. Post Cutting the Bull in the Post to the Apocalypse on Facebook, Cutting the Bull in the PTA on SoundCloud, and Apocalypse Ball on YouTube. I've been Mike, thanks for listening. Peace out, may the force be with you. And I've been Claire, keep an open mind, but not so open that it spells out your ears, guys. Listen to that shit music, Will. <laughs> <laughs>